Hey folks, Bruce with Input GR and welcome to the series Hymns of Yesterday. Today we're going to be talking about that special hymn, Amazing Grace. Yes, the most famous hymn of all time. And uh, I want to encourage you to listen to a great version of that. It's by Tommy Emanuel. Uh, if, you, if you search in YouTube, you're going to find so many people doing Amazing Grace. It's, it's all over the map. There's, they're everywhere. Uh, but this one's a little different. Uh, it's an instrumental. Tommy Emanuel does it on guitar. And it's really, really amazing. Uh, another thing I'd like to encourage you to do is watch, uh, watch the film Amazing Grace. It's a, really, it's not about John Newton. John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, but it really focuses on William Wilberforce. He was the abolitionist in England, and uh, he went to Parliament. He was a member of Parliament. He's the one who, he, he decided we need to abolish the slave trade. We need to do away with slavery. And uh, he really spearheaded that thing and really was a spokesman for it. But he was a friend of John Newton's. And it's a great story. Fantastic story. I encourage you to watch it. It's called Amazing Grace. And um, I think you really enjoy it. What I will do is I'll leave a link for the post for Tommy Emanuel. But also uh, encourage you to look on your favorite, whether it's YouTube or Amazon Prime. It might be on Netflix. I'm not 100% sure. But you'll be able, I'm sure you'll be able to find Amazing Grace, the movie. Thanks for listening. You have a blessed day. Welcome to Input GR, a podcast by Dunamis Media. Hey folks, Bruce with Input GR and welcome to the series Hymns of Yesterday. Today we're going to be talking about the most famous hymn of all time, and that is Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace was written by poet and clergyman John Newton in 1772. And here's some other notable things from the year 1772. April 30th, John Clay's Patton's first scale. June 9th, the first naval attack of Revolutionary War takes place in Providence, Rhode Island. And on June 22nd, Somerset v. Stewart court case finds slavery unsupported by English common law, encouraging the abolitionist movement. And of course, Amazing Grace was written. Now I'd like to read the story of Amazing Grace, and the article I'll be citing is from Christianity.com, and the author is Diane Severance, Ph.D., and it's entitled, John Newton Discovered Amazing Grace. The Greyhound had been thrashing about in the North Atlantic storm for over a week. Its canvas sails were ripped, and the wood on one side of the ship had been torn away and splintered. The sailors had little hope of survival, but they mechanically worked the pumps, trying to keep the vessel afloat. On the eleventh day of the storm, sailor John Newton was too exhausted to pump, so he was tied to the helm and tried to hold the ship to its course. From one o'clock until midnight, he was at the helm. With the storm raging fiercely, Newton had time to think. His life seemed as ruined and wrecked as the battered ship he was trying to steer through the storm. Since the age of eleven, he had lived a life at sea. Sailors were not noted for the refinement of their manners, but Newton had a reputation for profanity, coarseness, and debauchery, which even shocked many a sailor. John Newton was known as the Great Blasphemer. He sank so low at one point that he was even a servant to slaves in Africa for a brief period. 
His mother had prayed he would become a minister and had early taught him the scriptures and Isaac Watts' divine songs for children. Some of those early childhood teachings came to mind now. He remembered Proverbs 1, 24-31. And in the midst of that storm, those verses seemed to confirm Newton in his despair. Because I have called, and ye refused, you have set at naught all my counsel, and with none of my reproof. I also laughed at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. John Newton had rejected his mother's teachings and had led other sailors into unbelief. Certainly he was beyond hope and beyond saving, even if the scriptures were true. Yet Newton's thoughts began to turn to Christ. He found a New Testament and began to read. Luke 11.13 seemed to assure him that God might still hear him. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? That day at the helm, March 21, 1748, was a day Newton remembered ever after. For on that day the Lord sent from on high and delivered me out of deep waters. Many years later, as an old man, Newton wrote in his diary on March 21, 1805, Not well able to write, but I endeavored to observe the return of this day with humiliation, prayer, and praise. Only God's amazing grace could and would take a rude, profane, slave-trading sailor and transform him into a child of God. Newton never ceased to stand in awe of God's work in his life. Though Newton continued in his profession of sailing and slave trading for a time, his life was transformed. He began a disciplined schedule of Bible study, prayer, and Christian reading, and tried to be a Christian example to the sailors under his command. Philip Doddridge's The Rise and Progress of Religion in the Soul provided much spiritual comfort, and a fellow Christian captain he met off the coast of Africa guided Newton further in his Christian faith. Newton left slave trading and took the job of tide surveyor at Liverpool, but he began to think he had been called to the ministry. His mother's prayers for her son were answered, and in 1764, at the age of 39, John Newton began 43 years of preaching the gospel of Christ. John and his beloved wife Mary at the end of his life, John would write that their love equaled all that the writers of romance have imagined, moved to the little market of the town of Olney. He spent his mornings in Bible study and his afternoons in visiting his parishioners. There were regular Sunday morning and afternoon services, as well as meetings for children and young people. There was also a Tuesday evening prayer meeting, which was always well attended. For the Sunday's evening services, Newton often composed a hymn which developed the lessons in Scripture for the evening. In 1779, 280 of these were collected and combined with 68 hymns by Newton's friend and parishioner, William Cowper, and published as the Olney Hymns. The most famous of the Olney Hymns, Faith's Review and Expectation, grew out of David's exclamation in 1 Chronicles 17, 16-17. 
We know it today as Amazing Grace. Several other of the only hymns by Newton continues in use today, including How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds and Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. In 1779, Newton left Olney to become rector of St. Mary Woolnoth in London. His ministry included not only the London poor and the merchant class, but also the wealthy and influential. William Wilberforce, a member of Parliament and a prime mover of the abolition of slavery, was strongly influenced by John Newton's life and preaching. Newton's thoughts on the African slave trade, based on his own experience as a slave trader, was very important in securing British abolition of slavery. Missionaries William Carey and Henry Martin also gained strength from Newton's counsel. Newton lived to be 82 years old and continued to preach and have an active ministry until beset by fading health in the last two or three years of his life. Even then, Newton never ceased to be amazed by God's grace and told his friends, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things that I am a great sinner, and that Christ is a great Savior. And now I'd like to read the lyrics of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me, his word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be, as long as life endures. Yes, when this flesh and heart shall fail, and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. That is a talk of someone who was redeemed. And if you know the story of William Wilberforce and uh, John Newton, it's a tremendous story. I encourage you to to um, read up on it it's a great story if you have any input i would love to hear your comments uh, in the comment section below please feel free to do that i'd love to hear what this hymn means to you i uh, greatly appreciate it thanks so much for joining us i'm bruce with input gr you have a blessed day